Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a devotion by Deacon Roger Taracha. Check one, two. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing uh, great this morning. Um, even as we begin, I'd just like you to uh, turn to your neighbor. I know last Sunday we had... Uh, Bible study uh, Sunday. So just uh, turn to your neighbor and share with them that one thing that you learned from uh, Bible study Sunday, even as I prepare to uh, deliver a brief, um, a brief uh, devotion. For those who are visiting with us for the first time, welcome, welcome. This is Infinite Fellowship Ministries. My name is Deacon Roger Taracha. Cool, cool. And for those who've not yet shared, ask the other person. Or those who haven't shared, just share, just share. I'm giving you like one more minute. Uh, just share what you actually captured last week during uh, Bible study uh, Sunday. Okay, so um, I'll also briefly share what it is that I captured. So our region is the Ox region. We are the region that uh, comprises of individuals uh, who are in careers that are tech-enabled tech uh, in the tech space. And one of the things that stood out for me last week particularly was just the importance of fellowship, the importance of us being together in fellowship. I really enjoyed our Bible study session uh, last Sunday just because uh, we went deeper into um, interrogating consecration. But what really stood out for me was what everyone shared and how we were able to encourage each other in the Lord, how we were able to minister to each other and how we were able to be a blessing to each other. Each and every person is going through their own journey and um, when you get to share with others, when you get to break bread together, you get to actually minister to each other and you get to actually bless each other. So I'd just like to encourage us that don't shun away from fellowship. Fellowship is one of the core pillars of our church. It's prayer, the word, fellowship, and service. So do not shun away from, from fellowship, especially during our Bible study Sundays. Cool. So let us proceed into today's sharing. Um, this week, as I was preparing for devotion uh, uh, that I'll be sharing today, there's a particular verse that the Lord dropped in my spirit, and it's John chapter 14, verse 6. But I'd like us to start sharing from uh, 14, verse 1. So um, as they prepare, I'll just give you some context. So in John chapter 13, um, Jesus was with his disciples. And um, in the whole chapter, there are two key things. Uh, things that I'd like you to consider. Number one, Jesus was actually washing the disciples' feet. And then the second thing he did is he actually predicted his betrayal. So now chapter 14 is the aftermath of that. And chapter 14 is where he's actually comforting his disciples. So we'll just go through it from verse 1 to 6. So um, John 14, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe in me. Believe also in me. Verse 2, I'm in my father's house. In my father's house, sorry, are many mansions. If, there, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
verse 3. And if you go and prepare a place, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Verse 4. And I whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. KJV. (laughs) Okay. Verse 5. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. My sharing today's name is titled Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So I'd like us to consider those three things. Jesus being the way, Jesus being the truth, and Jesus being the life. So we'll start with the way. The core basis of our faith is anchored by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the ultimate price he paid for us to be restored in relationship back to the Father. Jesus alone is the access point to the Father. He is seated on the right hand of the Father and no one comes to the Father except through him. So the basis of our faith is upon the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and As believers, we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And when we think about those two words, Lord and Savior, when someone is a Lord over you, they are your master, and you are the one who belongs to them. When we consider Jesus as our Savior, Jesus is our deliverer, and he is our preserver. So we are the sons of God, and we belong to him. We are his So the thing you need to consider here is unless through Christ we cannot access the Father. He is the only way to be able to access the Father. When Adam and Eve fell, we were disconnected from the Father. But Christ came to reconnect us back to the Father. He's the one who ushers us back into the Father's arms. The thing you need to consider is this. Besides Jesus being the way, he also shows us the way. One of the greatest examples of humility and submission is how Jesus was obedient to the Father, to the Father's will, even unto his death. In Philippians 2, verse 6 to 7, I'll just read it. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So to me, I see Jesus modeling the way in terms of his humility and his submission to the Father. I started by saying that when, you, when someone is the Lord over you, you belong to them. You are theirs. And the way, and once you acknowledge that, once you internalize that, once you believe that, you will know that you actually have to walk in obedience unto them, whatever they instruct of you, they require of you to walk in obedience. And just to take it, uh, just to take it further, humility, humility, humility is such a beautiful thing because when we walk in pride, you walk in deceit. When you walk in pride, you're walking, it's like, um, yeah, it's like putting your hands in front of your eyes, right? And I'm walking straight. If I keep walking and I don't know where I'm going, I'll eventually fall. 
So when you're walking in pride, you're walking in deception. That's the word I was looking for. You're walking in deception. But humility, the Bible is such, like the word of God is so brilliant. Whatever is considered as the wisdom of the world, in, in the kingdom that does not apply. And whatever is considered as wisdom, according to God and the word, is foolishness to men. So you'd want to chest thump and be prideful and show that you have macho-ness, but in the kingdom, God desires you to be humble. As I mentioned in um, John chapter 13, where Jesus was actually washing the disciples' feet. That's a position of humility. God is divinity. Jesus, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their divinity, but he humbled himself to the position of actually washing his disciples' feet. Brethren, I ask us and I submit to us this morning, it's still morning. Yes, this morning. Are you at the point of humility? Are you at the point of actually acknowledging the Lordship of Christ, of walking in obedience unto him and humbling yourself to actually being led of God? Because when you're prideful, your heart is hardened and it's not attuned to the nudgings and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have we gotten to a point where our hearts are so hardened that we cannot walk in accordance with the Spirit? is a question I'm submitting to us this morning. Even as we're considering Jesus being the way, I'd like to share with us the analogy of the shepherd. This is in Psalms 23, verse 1 to 4. Um, as it's being projected there. Um, exactly. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Ye, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Let's just pause there. So the analogy of the shepherd... They have a rod and a staff. As I was in reading into this more and just trying to interrogate and get the context of this shepherd analogy, I actually realized two things. There are two schools of thought. There are those people who think that the rod and the staff are a tool of discipline. You know, as the sheep deviates and a chapa. But as I interrogated this more, I realized, yes, the rod can definitely symbolize authority, power, and defense. And the staff actually symbolizes care and compassion. Because if you saw towards the end of that, of that verse, it says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff, is, the staff has like a hook at the end of it, right? And the shepherd actually uses that to draw the ship together. If a ship is stuck somewhere, he can use it to actually get it out of danger and guide it back to the rest of the flock. And another interesting one I realized is when like a lamb is very young, you're not supposed to touch it with your bare hands because when you touch it and the mother smells your scent on that lamb, she will reject it. So what do you use in case you want to lift the lamb and bring it back to the mom? You use that particular rod. Sorry, you use the staff and bring it back. So what I got to realize is the fact that the Lord uses these particular tools 
or rather the shepherd uses these tools to guide us and to lead us. He's actually showing us the way. If we go wayward a bit, he will use that uh, rod, uh, that stuff to bring us back to the fold, bring us back to the place of fellowship. Even if he will go back and look for that one sheep that was lost in the 99, he will still need to bring them back together, keep them together so he can go and search out for that one that may be lost. We'll consider number two, Jesus being the truth. So in John chapter one, verse one to four, it says uh, in Amplified Classic, in the beginning, before all the time, was the word Christ. And the word was with God. And the word was God himself. So as a believer, your life should be modulated by truth, not by the wisdom not by what the wisdom of the age says. And it's interesting. Uh, yesterday I was, uh, I was fellowshipping with uh, uh, a good friend of mine. He's called Eddie. And um, there's something profound he said, and I don't realize how profound it was. He said that um, in the past he wasn't really a person who reads a lot of books, but uh, as he's grown older and he's gone through a few things in life, he realizes that this certain wisdom that's found in that is hidden in books right so this is the statement he mentioned he said if God saw it in his wisdom to actually hide certain knowledge and truths in books isn't that truth parallel even to um, not only the spiritual world but also the physical world because we were having a discussion about the marketplace and how sometimes as believers we can do, delude ourselves that I have the Holy Spirit so I'll go to the marketplace and I will be effective until you land there and you realize <laughs> there are principalities there and there are certain principles that do operate. And you need to actually search out these particular truths or these principles even as you are in partnership with the Holy Spirit for you to be effective in the marketplace. I'd like us to read Proverbs 25 verse 2. God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how thoroughly, how thoroughly search out the deep, how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of what God says. In version, Gani, TPT. Anyway, let's read this other one. It says, uh, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search out that thing. So even as we interact with the truth, God has, con like, the Bible exists and it is, God has concealed it, but it is our glory as kings to actually search out that truth. So whether it's in the Bible or in certain contexts in the marketplace, there are certain books, there are certain, um, yeah, there are certain books, there are certain principles that you will need to search out and apply in your life for it to bear fruit. That's what I'm saying. So according to me, I believe that truth is the deeper meaning of the word. It is the revelation that is actionable and brings transformation in your life. I'll say that again. Truth is the deeper meaning of the word. It is the revelation that is actionable and brings transformation in your life. So I urge us, brethren, let us continue to seek out the truth. Let us continue following and seeking Christ daily. Even as we consider Jesus being the truth, um, 
I know there was one of the ministers who shared this. I believe it was Bishop Mulumbi. And he said that frustration is a prophetic voice. So my question to you this morning is, how do you perceive challenges? Are you a complainer like the last... Eh, last, sorry. Are you a complainer? Eh. Are you a... Do you complain like the rest of the masses? Let me correct my English, sorry. I'd like you to think about the 12 spies. Um, that was in Numbers 13, when Moses sent out the 12 spies to go and spy the land and the report that they brought back. What was their mindset? Majority of them came back and said that there is a great land out there, but it would be very difficult for us to overcome. I'd like you to think about the mindset that David had when he was challenged, when he, he had that Goliath was challenging the people of God. What kind of mindset did David have? I'd like to submit to us this morning, the truth remains the truth, despite changes in seasons or if situations in our lives speak contrary to it. The truth remains the truth. There's a word that was spoken and God said that the economy is stable. But what's happening currently? Everything is speaking contrary to that truth. If you think about David, when everyone else was shying away from Goliath, he believed that despite this challenge, despite this uncircumcised Philistine who's challenging the people of God, God will overcome this person. This person cannot come here and disrespect the people of God. Even as we consider the current times that we live in, that word that I've just mentioned before, God speaking that the economy is stable. What mindset do we have? Do we see ourselves in that stability? Or are we just part of the masses being carried along and, and complaining about the government and stuff like that? Yes, we have our part to play as believers to pray for our leaders. But what mindset do we have as we pray? Have we just folded our hands in retreat? Or do we see ourselves in that stability as partners with the truth that God has spoken to partner with him and to ensure that this word comes to pass? The third part the life. Jesus, the life. When I was considering this, um, when we actually would look at Jesus' life, there were so many examples that he modeled for us in terms of how to live a Christ-like life. But I'd like us to consider two this morning, and then I'll wrap up my devotion. Number one, Jesus lived a life of solitude and reflection. Yes, he did uh, passionately love people and he would minister to the masses but consider he would always retreat retreat to a place of solitude to pray in Matthew 14 23 it says after the crowds dispersed Jesus went up the hills to pray and, an, and as night fell he was there praying alone so whenever I look at how Jesus lived his life when he was on earth and the things that he modeled for us. I feel like it's even more important now in the times that we lead, in, in the times that we live, to actually lead a life of solitude and reflection from time to time. You know, being able to meditate on the word day and night, despite all the distractions that we may have in life. The second thing in terms of life for us to consider is the love, love that God had for his people and Jesus had even for his disciples in the verse that we, verses that we just read. 
John 3.16, we all know this verse. That's the love that God had for us, that he actually sent his son. We were singing earlier that, lead me to the cross. God modeled what true love looks like for us. Number two, Jesus had love for his disciples that he actually, in verse chapter 13 of John, he actually served them by washing their feet. And then in chapter 14, we saw him comforting them. He was telling them that it's his time. He's going to depart. And you can imagine how distraught the disciples must have felt. But he comforted them, he comforted them and told them that even as he was departing, he's not going to leave them alone. He's going to send them a helper. And this just got me thinking. Um, in my spheres of influence, with the people I interact with, are our interactions actually modulated by love? Or is it by selfish ambition? In Philippians 2, 3, 4, we are clearly instructed, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. If you consider, sometimes when we might be struggling to operate or to walk in unity, might there be certain seeds of pride that have been planted in our hearts? I was having an interaction with uh, Dikoneshila yesterday, and there's another thing she shared that also stuck with me. She was saying that marriage is the one place where your selfishness will be revealed. In terms of, uh, think of it this way, for those who are married, you know. Uh, there's that uh, like realm of personal space where, provided someone doesn't get this close to me, we are fine. But as we know, on that day when we all stood before Bishop and we uh, proclaimed, our, or rather said our vows to each other, we, hey, Nato, who plight to your troth? <laughs> Pledge, yes. We all truly pledge our troth, and we said with all our worldly goods, at the end of I. So that's the thing. I think we were just discussing and we were realizing, you can say that when you're karimu or you're generous and you love people and you don't have pride until God brings this person your way and you will be tested. Your limits will be tested. And those things that are hidden will be brought to the front for the two of you to actually confront and deal with. You know, there are certain things that um, you might have been at the impact of in terms of how you were raised or how you grew up and maybe you suppressed them. But marriage is that place where everything will be shaken and brought forth, forth to the surface for you to confront. And if you think that uh, you don't struggle with pride, I, I would urge you, for, if you are single, get married. <laughs> You will, you will quickly understand how prideful you are and how you actually need to constantly be at that place of checking your heart for those seeds of, for those seeds of pride. So Philippians 2, let me just finish, 2, 3, to 4. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. 
possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. I was hearing someone laughing here. I think it's a laughter of recognition in terms of how difficult this saying is and how we can't just achieve it on our own. Brethren, the, as I was speaking about the life and love, we cannot love out of our own, like in our own strength. It's the Lord who needs to come. Christ needs to reign in our heart and that love is what will be shed broad in our hearts for us to be able to actually love others as God desires for us to love. Considering others before ourselves. That is what God would desire for us this morning. So, as I come to the conclusion of my devotion, I'd just like to ask us this morning, even as we've interrogated with the, as we've gone through the sharing and even as you're thinking through what I've just shared, what are some ways in which God, or rather Christ, modeled him being the way, being the truth, being the life for us to emulate? Because each and every day we need to strive to be Christ-like. We need to strive to be more like him. We need to strive to walk in partnership with the Spirit for the glory of God. Thank you. That was my devotion this morning. I'd just like us to briefly pray on the strength of that sharing. We thank you this morning, Lord. We give you the praise, the glory, and the adoration. We pray, my Father, that each and every day that may you lead us constantly to the cross, that may we crucify our flesh, my Father, that may the flesh not find expression in our lives, my Father. For which is in Jesus' name we've prayed, trusting and believing. Amen. So at this point, I'd uh, like to invite the minister of the word today. And um, this is a gentleman who um, I've known for a couple of years now. He's a person who we know as a serial relator. If you've related with him, you will know he really, really loves fellowship. He really, really loves um, deep conversations. Um, he's a titan in the marketplace. And um, he's also a father of two, married to one wife. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like us to put our hands together as we welcome the Minister of the Word today, Reverend Geoffrey Jenga Mishai. Let's encourage him as he makes his way here. Karibu sana, karibu sana. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.